today on Wine Access Unfiltered. Just in my in my you know nature to shop online every night at two a.m. I think it's in a lot of people's nature. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of sales happen. I've only ordered men's shoes uh, twice that I've had to return. That I'm like these are ginormous because they're a By men's accident? size seven. Yeah, because I'm so I'm so like half awake. Like I mm. do this when I'm falling asleep instead of looking at Instagram or anything else. I shop and I just like look, which is dangerous. You know, I've bought some surprise and then I don't remember what I bought. And then it's like fucking Christmas. I get like a package. I'm like, oh, good for you. You bought that sweater the other night, half asleep. (laughs) Welcome to the Wine Access Unfiltered podcast. It is hot and dry. All things that make us very uncomfortable in the summer here in Napa Valley. But we've got wines, Vanessa, and someone to keep us laughing all afternoon long. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited about these two wines. I'm excited to meet Anna, who I know you already know. So I kind of feel like, yes, I don't know. I feel like the third wheel. Am I going to fit in? Oh my gosh, you're totally going to fit in. You're such a kindred spirit to the both of us. So Anna and I have known each other for probably a decade now. We haven't, we didn't really spend a lot of time together in the, like in the middle years, but in our, what I'll call the formative years, Anna and I were in a show together at the new Candlelight Dinner Theater in Delaware. We did a a funny thing happened in the forum. That's where we met. And she was so, so funny in the dressing room. Like, you know, we did three months of this show, I think, and just Every night it was like the Anna show. She just kept it, kept it moving, kept us laughing. We didn't, we didn't have that much save time. But <laughs> after that, we got to be friends and we actually did the audition circuit in New York, which I don't, I'm sure like as an opera singer, I don't know how it, how it relates to being in musical theater, but like there, there are crews that you sort of like run with, you know, we save each other spots in line. We sign each other up and it's super early in the morning. And so like Anna was like sort of my buddy whenever we'd go to auditions and obviously our, our paths diverted me going into wine. And now she is doing really, really well in New York. She's actually more like, she is a full-blown comedian. She's a host. She's a regular regular on BuzzFeed series. Uh, She's featured in the New York Times. She's got her own podcast. Um, I mean, she does so much now and she's verified on Instagram, which officially means that she's made it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I don't, if you had named one more thing on that list of things she's done, I would be like, you know what? That's I'm done. Just I'm out. I'm just going to sit this one out. (laughs) Uh, But she's, she's awesome. I've actually been on her podcast, Unemployed with Anna Roisman, and she's, She's just one of these people that's so easy to talk to. And she's a Philly girl like me. So, you know, we, there's sort of an edge, I think, to her and to myself in a good way. Like we we both speak sarcasm and she's obviously very, a lot more funny than I am. But I, I love her and I'm excited to talk wine with her because she, like so many of us, has a background in the restaurant and hospitality industry. So has many stories in the world of wine, loves wine herself. But I think this is going to be really fun because she brings such a fresh approach and attitude to it, but also with, you know, a little bit of experience as well. So it sounds like she definitely um, has had, like, worked at some pretty prestigious places in terms of restaurants. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure she has stories to tell if she can tell them, which I hope she can. (laughs) (laughs) I hope she can too. Wine selections were really interesting for this because, you know, she and I know each other. So I could text her and just get a sense of what she likes to drink, but she doesn't like to drink. Chardonnay apparently was like a hard no for her, but I just went ahead and did it anyway. Um, which seems like a mean thing to do, but I actually, I think she's really going to like it because she said she likes champagne. So of course we selected a champagne that is 100% Chardonnay. So it doesn't really, you know, is a Chardonnay masking as something non-Chardonnay, something that we don't always think of as Chardonnay. And then she loves Riesling. I love Riesling. You love Riesling. Anytime somebody says the R word on this podcast, I'm like, great, like say no more. We're going Riesling. So in addition to that, I didn't realize when I did it, but I ended up selecting two wines from the the Michelin subscription collab with Wine Access, the very first one. Good for you for, for snagging these and good for me because now I get to drink them with you. <laughs> <laughs> They've been so fun. And I love that we're getting to drink these wines with someone that I think will appreciate the story behind the whole, you know, Michelin subscription yeah. series with you guys. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It'll be fun. We're going to have lots of fun. I think more than anything, this will be very funny and fun and easygoing. And Anna's just such a ball of joy and easy to talk to. So without any further ado, let's drink. Welcome to the Wine Access Unfiltered Podcast. We have Anna Roisman with us today, an old friend, a colleague, and a badass comedian host extraordinaire. 
doer of things that we'll get into soon. How are you, Anna? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, after I had so much fun on your podcast, I was like, well, shit, this girl's a lot of fun. We've got it and always was like, we've got to keep this train going. I know, Amanda, we've had good times over the years. It was like a break in between, but I feel like we're reconnecting now. This is nice being on each other's pods. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I brought Vanessa into the fold because she is kindred spirit. I love it. So, so nice to meet you. I know, Vanessa, I see our future together. You know, we're going to have like lots of yeah. good times. I'm going to come visit you guys all in California one day. You know, I feel it. I love it. It's it's <laughs> all becoming clear. Yes. <laughs> well, we've been, we've been pitching lots of shows to guests on this podcast, like going to Sicily with Tom Papa. There was a few others thrown in the mix. And as a pitcher of shows, as someone who creates content and actually pitches shows to networks, I thought, you know, maybe that was a topic we could touch on today. Yes. I would love that. It's stress, but great. Are you still doing HQ things or no? No. Um, HQ is now only once a week and I'm not hosting there right now, but I do host live on another app called Airtime, which I love. It's so much fun. Oh my God. We should host a wine show on Airtime. Maybe I can make that happen. We could do a little partnership. Yes. They're doing partnerships right now. Um, Yeah. It's a great app. I've worked for them since before HQ actually. And it's just kind of like an interactive platform where you can show media and connect with people live. And it's super fun. I'm doing my makeup tutorial show in about two and a half hours. So I'll be nice and toasty for it, which will be dope. Nice. <laughs> You're going to look great. <laughs> you are going to look great. I, I always look great drunk. Can I just say one thing? I really enjoy being myself on camera. And I think that's something not all people are comfortable with. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people prefer to play a character and do a bit and... I think stand-up comedy helps you feel comfortable being yourself. Some people still play a version of themselves on stage, but I don't know. And so I started doing most stuff. And then I would say HQ, you know, getting hired by HQ really changed my life. That was like the biggest job I had booked in a while, you know. Why was that? Um, It was just the volume, you know, it was so huge and popular when it first came out. I don't know if you're familiar with HQ Trivia. It's a game show on your phone and... Yeah. When it came out, my friend Scott was hosting originally. And it's funny because I auditioned. Scott brought me into audition as like a substitute for him because he was doing it day and night and they didn't hire me. (laughs) I thought I killed. I was like, I was so good at that. And then I didn't hear from them (laughs) for an entire year. And I've told the story a lot. They know I, I they auditioned me and then never called me. And then a year later, uh, the producer there called and was like, we have a new show that we're developing. Like, would you like to come audition again? And I was like, yeah. And I wore my like fucking white pantsuit. I was like Olivia Pope, you know, from Scandal. And I walked in and I was like, no one will get Hello, wine drinker. No one will get this job over me. You know? Oh, yeah. She is a white wine drinker, too. I feel like she's always got a big glass. So, yeah, then I got the HQ job. And it was the biggest job because it was it, the most eyes I've ever had on anything I did. I mean, yeah, you get a, a viral video, sure. YouTube, you know, says you have a million views or whatever, but, like, it's up there. You know what I mean? This, I was performing nightly. I've hosted over 450 live shows for them. Wow. In the beginning, my numbers, I mean, I used to have 400,000 people in a night, which was huge for me. Even so, until two weeks ago. I mean, two weeks ago, we had, like, 35, 40,000 people in live, which is you know, bigger than Madison Square Garden. Yeah. <laughs> you got to remember that. My producer once said, just remember Madison Square Garden has like 30 something, you know, like 25, 30,000 people. And I was like, I've been to concerts there. I can, I can picture it, you know? That's so wild. And now Anna's like a big famous TV host and like Thank you. writer of things. I, so I appreciate it. I love being called big and famous. That's a goal of mine. <laughs> I think of you as big and famous. I'm like, look at this world. You've become a, you know, a major part of and you influence this world. It's so cool. Oh, well, you just drink enough wine. Eventually people just let you keep talking about it. But (laughs) your your path is an interesting one because you started, what was your major at BU? Because it was like, you weren't acting, right? You were doing like production. TV production. Yeah, it was TV production. So it was mostly courses in producing and writing and editing. And then you you were always in the musical theater realm because yes. we were auditioning together and doing shows together. Mm-hmm. We met literally in a barn. In a barn oh. in Delaware, like of all places. 
I mean, some context would be great. <laughs> yeah. We milked cows. Yeah, this, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, there's no cows. There's no cows. Mm-hmm. No, we did. I'm sure, you know, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. You know, the, that show that like now with today's lens is more like a, a funny rift on sex trafficking and highly inappropriate and cancelable. But back in the day, it was a really happy-go-lucky musical. You know, the story didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I didn't. I, we had talked about before on your podcast. It wasn't until I started thinking about where we actually met that I realized the context and the subject matter of that show. And I was like, wow, like definitely is a show that like shouldn't be done any longer. This yeah. is, it's, it's literally like women up for auction. Um, and that's the, <laughs> the point of the show. It's, it's highly. So it has not aged well is what you're saying. No, Correct. no, it has not aged well. Thank you. No, but you know, we, that was like, you know, one of my first professional gigs, if you can believe it, it was like a professional equity house called the new candlelight dinner theater. And that's where, that's where Anna and I kind of like started cutting our teeth, but I want to rewind a little bit because we've got two delicious wines. I didn't really know where to go other than let's drink something really delicious and fun with you today, wine wise. And so we text a little bit about what I thought might work. And you were like, anything but Chardonnay. I was like, done. No problem. We can do that as long as uh, the Chardonnay exists in sparkling form, which we've done. So we've got... (laughs) (laughs) I smell (laughs) it. Surprise. (laughs) I think that this is this is Chardonnay based, right? What is is the breakdown? Do you know, Vanessa? It's a Blanc de Blanc, right? Right now. It is a Blanc de Blanc. You're right. Blanc de Blanc. Um, So this is... We've got two, as we always do. And we make you drink on this podcast, which you learned having been on mine. And I was like, hey, if I'm going to be in your podcast, do you think that we could also drink on it? And you're like, yeah, we should do this more often. We should always (laughs) drink on a podcast. I think it brings the best out in people, you know? So am I getting that you're a Chardonnay fan? Is that what I should be picking up? No, I'm an anti-Chardonnay person. You're an anti-Chardonnay. Okay. I said said anything but the Chardonnay. Mm. So Amanda, was this, were you trying to trick her? What what was behind this choice? Well, as you know, every choice is selfish. That should be in a t-shirt. I wanted to drink champagne because I knew we were going to be recording in the hot days of June, July. So champagne it is. And we don't drink enough of it, frankly. But I also knew that Anna had like a pretty funny story surrounding champagne. And then when she said anything but Chardonnay, I was like, well, this would be kind of a funny She only joke heard her. the Chardonnay like, part. Actually. She's like, did you say Chardonnay? <laughs> I heard champagne. Chardonnay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious. Though, so what is it about Chardonnay? And I, because, you know, you're not alone. Some people don't like it for a number of reasons. So I'm just curious, what what is your reason or reasons? Absolutely. You like Thank you so much for asking. So growing up, my parents partied hard. Um, times have changed, I'd say. Only my mom parties hard now. My dad is sober. <laughs> uh, but growing up, I was like not into like, let me steal my parents' alcohol. I was the opposite. I was like, I have an, a career to do. You know, I have a voice. To, I have to sing. So my mom drank a lot of Chardonnay growing up to the point where like the smell of it and like, I don't know, and they would come home really late. And like, I just, the smell of it irks me. And like, I'm going to out my mom here. She would literally pour it in like a paper cup and drive me to softball practice. And I'd be like, that's that's drinking and driving. I learned about that in school. And she'd be like, it doesn't count if it's in a paper cup, Um, (laughs) which I don't think the D.A.R.E. program taught us. It's in the small print of the law, mm-hmm. but there is an exception, apparently, according to your mom. Yeah. And then when I started working in fine dining, I worked in restaurants for seven years. Whenever we tasted a Chardonnay, I did not like it. I was just like, it brought me back to, I, I have very okay. uh, heightened senses with smell and with taste. Uh, so COVID was a nightmare. But so I, it brought me back to my childhood and I was like, oh, it smells like my mom's old Chardonnay. Like I just- okay. So it's like a visceral reaction. It's not like, oh, I don't like them because they're buttery or they're too heavy. It's like, it just brings you back to a time that's like, ugh, I don't want to revisit. Okay. Yeah. And I'm I'm good at tasting wine. So I was like, anytime I drank Chardonnay, I was like, I guess I just don't like it. You know, I'm good without it. What I actually, so like about the story, irregardless that she's actually saying she doesn't like Chardonnay, but like talking about how wine can like bring you back in time though. Right? Mm-hmm. It has like a timestamp in people's <laughs> memories. Absolutely. <laughs> Same with like Smirnoff raspberry. I could never, you know? Yes. <laughs> Had a bad night. Mine is, Bac- <laughs> mine is Bacardi Raz. And I was just talking about that the other day. I was like, oh, Bacardi. I don't even know if they still make it, but Bacardi Raz was like the senior week drink of choice. And that, I was like you, Anna. And Vanessa, I suspect that you're probably the same. I was terrified of drinking. I Like you, I had a career mm-hmm. and I was focused and I had no interest in partying. Like yeah. big, 
big nerd loser would not go out. And so b- the first time I really drank was senior week in high school and it was Bacardi Raz. And to this day, like the smell of it just totally takes me back to a bad place. But I'm <laughs> glad that you brought that up, Vanessa, because I think you're spot on. The way that wine can bring us back to a good place, yes, it can also bring us back to a pretty bad place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we like funny. the good ones better, but it's amazing how it can kind of, you know, integrate into your brain in a way that will just emerge later. And you're like, whoa, where did that memory come from? It's like, oh, yeah. it's like, it's from the glass. So does this, does this Chardonnay that's been made into champagne, does it bring you back to the, you know, the days of paper cups and your mom driving you to softball practice? I think the bubbles throw me off, you know, it tastes like crisper because it's bubbly. Yeah. I smell it. I smell Chardonnay, but, but I'm Okay. I'm okay. It's good. I love, I love anything sparkling. I love champagnes. I love all sparkling wines. So it's tasty. And look, it got cold. I do too. It looks cold and refreshing. And on the off chance that you didn't enjoy this champagne, we of course wanted to give you something different. Although Vanessa, I think this is the first time we've had no red on the podcast, right? I believe you are correct. Yes about yeah. time. We, yeah. we went Riesling um, because when you were like, I don't like Chardonnay. I was like, do you like Riesling? And you're like, I love Riesling. So we went Riesling. We kind of went with a badass Riesling too. And yeah. oh, I should mention the other tie-in for this was knowing that you worked in the restaurant world like I did. <sighs> these are actually wines that were part of the very first Michelin subscription that Wine Access did. Cool. So these, that's, and I had had the Kunstbass before. I hadn't had the, the Paul Lenoir Champagne, but I loved both of these wines. And when there was like a teeny tiny little bit left after, I, I guess th- that existed on the website, I was like, oh, this would be really fun to drink. And I love, love, love this wine so much. Yeah, that was, as uh, as you mentioned, the California subscription, which was the first one for the Michelin with Charlotte Randolph, the wine director there. She's amazing. And yeah, I loved her selections. I love like on her pairing menu too, like she'll start with champagne and then you're halfway through the meal and you're like, oh, more champagne. And it's like a different, She's she really like loves to pair sparkling wine throughout the whole tasting menu, which I think is is pretty cool. And Riesling, because um, their flavors are very, it's, you know, Mexican or Mexican-inspired flavors. So Riesling is such a good match for those kinds of food that have a little heat. Yeah. So Anna, just to give you a little context, the Michelin Guide, which obviously issues stars to restaurants, which you know, mm-hmm. work restaurants, partnered with Wine Access and they have this subscription and every quarter they have a Michelin-starred restaurant's wine director or sommelier curate the wines for that collection based on what they would actually have at the restaurant wine-wise and then what would pair with the food. So the first one was California's, which is now two-star Michelin. Um, the next one... Temperous. By the time this podcast, Temperous, yes. this will be cool. That will be announced. Um, it's really cool. I, I think it's super cool. So these are two badass wines that are very parable, Michelin-worthy, wine-access-worthy, and hopefully worthy of drinking in the afternoon with us. This is delicious. This is an amazing Riesling. I love it. I wanted to know, what kind of Rieslings do you normally drink, or or where are they from, if you have a go-to place? German. Germany. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So this one's from Alsace, so kind of right over the German border. But It's delish. um, I love this, too. Yeah. And it's got age on it. And you know what's funny? When I was younger... I knew, you know, before I worked in restaurants, before I was probably even 21, I knew Riesling was like a sweet wine. You know what I mean? It was, and I like, I love anything sweet. I have such a sweet tooth. And then when I worked in the restaurants, like, and people were like, oh, people drink Riesling who like don't know wine. Like I got, I don't know, Mm. people would turn their nose if you were like, I'd like a glass of Riesling. They're like, ugh, whatever. I felt that. I don't know, that stigma. And then when I worked in the restaurants, the sommelier who I worked with for like three or four years, he was like, no, if you know wine and you take, you have a good Riesling, like it's one of the best wines out there. Like he, he, yeah. he was like, they don't know what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Like you get a good Riesling. It's up there. It's awesome. It's sommelier beat. It's mm. what the Psalms drink, right? Can you say where you worked when you were oh, in yeah. restaurants? Sure. I worked at Kraft. I worked for Tom Colicchio. I worked yep. at BLT. Uh, Laurent Torrendel owned BLT Steak, yeah. BLT Prime, BLT Fish. I worked for all of them. I worked for that company for like five years. Um, and I worked for Jean George. I worked for Spice Market. And I also worked in Boston in college. Those were my first restaurant jobs for Jamie Mamata. I worked for Mistral and Soralina, which are still around. They're two of the... Wow. Nice restaurant, fine dining restaurants in uh, Boston. You went to school in Boston, right? Mm-hmm. I went to school in Boston and I got, that was when I got my first restaurant job. 
Were you at BU or where were you? Yeah, I was at BU. I went there too. I, w- I got my master's there. Yeah. Oh my God. Vanessa. See, I, <laughs> and she's wearing red. I got it. <laughs> Is that the school color? Am I red and white? Red and black? I don't know. I didn't go to any sporting events. You know, I did mostly. I didn't yeah. either. I was a music nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I've never left the practice room. Oh, God. I love that. Yeah, I went to BU. So how did you take us through starting at BU or maybe even before that and then getting your gigs now? Because now you're like hosting. You've got a blue check mark and like you're doing lots of things. (laughs) I got a blue check mark. Um, Yeah, no, I, I wanted to go to school for musical theater. That was like a very huge part of what I wanted to do. Um, I think my parents were like, what do you mean a conservatory, like a school just for like singing and dancing? And I was like, yeah. Um, And, you know, I looked at a bunch of schools and honestly, I I didn't like school. I was ready to just I didn't want to go to college. I was like, I could just work. I could just go. I wanted to be a child actor. I was like really gung ho from like age six. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. You seem very precocious. (laughs) And my parents are not in this industry at all. So they were like, just go to school first. And then if you still want to do it, you do it after. And I was like, all right, whatever. Um, And BU didn't have a musical theater department or anything. And the acting school, I felt, I don't know if you were in the act. You said you were in music, right? I went to the opera center. Ah. Vocal performance. Cool. Yeah. They had music or acting, but they did not have musical theater. You know what I mean? No one was walking around singing Hairspray and I was. Um, So I did all the like indie, I don't know what you can say, like the student run musicals at school. I don't know if you remember those groups they had, Um, but I was a TV production major. And at first I was like, I don't know. But then uh, now I'm grateful for it because it's what I do. So that's nice. But yeah, I uh, I wrote, uh, you know, an ugly Betty Speck script and, and I had a dream. Uh, that, was, <laughs> that was about it. I graduated with that. <laughs> um, and then I, I had interned in New York junior year at a casting office, which was a nightmare. And then because I was interning, I needed a restaurant job and I got hired at BLT Fish and I was just a hostess. And then they had me started maitre d'ing lunches and I was good at it. And they were always like, if you ever come back here to New York, you have a job because I had senior year to go back. And so that was very nice. I didn't realize how lucky I was to have that kind of like connection, you know, like when you come back to New York, you got a job here. And I was like, cool. So yeah, one of our regulars at the restaurant in Boston, like was a manager at BLT Fish. So she was like, oh my God, Mm. you're coming to New York for the summer. Like work, come work with me. And so that was really cool. Wow. That was lucky. So then how did you, how did you hop from, because you, you do so many things. I mean, I, I was looking at your website and I, Obviously, Thank followed you. your career for a little while, but you do so many different things. Were you looking to just always like create content? Were you looking to be hired by people? Like, what was your mo? Because it's yeah. not a it's not a linear trajectory in the way that some other things are. Definitely not. It still isn't. I wish. I wish it. Was, I wish I wanted to do something that was like you go to grad school and then you get this job and then you do that. Uh, yeah. I wish to God if I could go back, but. I don't know. I can't do anything else. Um, No, when I graduated school, I moved to New York and I started auditioning for musical theater. And I quickly learned, I don't really feel like I fit in here. Like all all these people went to these like fancy conservatories. They had the right dance shoes. They were like in this like cult together. And I'm in there on my like fucking leather jacket. Like what? No one's cool here. I don't know. You were cool, but we didn't meet in an audition. We met at a show. I wasn't cool. I wasn't cool. (laughs) I was just like, I I don't know. I didn't know that world as well as I thought I did. It was like, I can sing. Like, of course I'll show up to these auditions. It was a, it was a little culty though. Like you did have to kind of go to the musical theater school and like learn what Leducas were, learn how to put your sheet music in the right order and in the right non-reflective you know, plastic coat. Like there were so many things that nobody taught you. So many rules. Yeah. So I get it. I get like, if you didn't have that cult circle of human beings to teach you for $40,000 a year, um, then yeah, you were like kind of lost and would definitely look like an outsider. Although I will say, looking back at it now, like I remember you at auditions and you always crushed it. So even though you're an outsider, you're always like, I want to be cool like her. You're very sweet. Thank you. I felt very out of place. And at the time I was taking classes at UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, uh, for those who don't know, I guess. 
rest in peace. I think she is no longer as of this year. Um, but I started taking classes there and doing comedy. And, you know, whenever I got cast in shows and stuff, it was always like a comedic relief. And I was like, I guess I, I do, I do enjoy making people laugh. Like any roles I ever had in college or in high school were always the funny one. I always wanted to be the pretty serious one, but I never got that role. You know, you go in, you're like, I'm an ingenue, I swear. And they're like, you're not, um, (laughs) you know, you want it, but you never get what you want. And um, so I started doing comedy. And then I guess, you know, UCB is also another kind of culty place. And uh, I wasn't getting on the house teams when I wanted to. And I started making content and I started with a friend of mine. And I was like, you know what? I like would love to just start making video content. I feel like it's nicer to have videos to show for rather than inviting my friends to like my show this weekend. And if they can't make it, well, they have to catch the next one. Like it was just stressful. So we started doing videos and I I really got into that. And I started writing my own stuff. And uh, and every time I did my own projects, every time I wrote a script, or I, I made a video if it went viral, which was very cool. Like I would get further in my life. Like if I made a video, I got hired by a video company who gave me a sweet budget and then, you know, I could produce something cool for them. And so it just kind of, I just started realizing the more I do, the more I just put myself out there and not wait around for someone to put me on a team or someone to cast me in the right show. Uh, I do better. I don't know. And so I started doing most stuff. Um, I was going to ask you about your wardrobe because your ward, you've always had like a great sense of style and fashion, but what's your wardrobe situation for these? I did Rent the Runway for like two years, which was yeah. amazing. Yeah. I love Rent the Runway. That, Rent the Runway. I live by Rent the Runway. It's the best. Amanda. She introduced me. Amanda introduces me to to most things. Yes. <laughs> for those wondering what Brent the Runway is, it says it's like Netflix for clothes. You yeah. just like you pick your things out, they send them to you, you send it back, you get more choices. It's like a whole it's a whole thing. And they do all the dry cleaning, which is the best part. I don't I hate mm-hmm. going to the dry cleaner and cleaning. Or I'd buy and return. I gotta say the last year. I'd buy a lot and return a lot in COVID. I didn't do Rent the Runway the last <laughs> oh, year. You could also, I mean, Nordstrom has the best return policy of anyone. You can return anything there. Yeah. Like, no matter what. Yeah. So just always shop at Nordstrom. I only did it for work. I should say, I should admit, I buy a lot of clothes. I love clothes. My mom loved clothes, so, loves clothes. So it's just in my, in my, you know, nature to shop online every night at 2 a.m. I think it's in a lot of people's nature. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of sales happen. I've only ordered men's shoes uh, twice that I've had to return. That I'm like, these are ginormous because they're a By men's accident? size seven. Yeah, because I'm so I'm so like half awake. Like I mm. do this when I'm falling asleep instead of looking at Instagram or anything else. I shop and I just like look, which is dangerous. You know, I've bought some surprise, and then I don't remember what I bought, and then it's like fucking Christmas. I get like a package. I'm like, oh. Good for you. You bought that sweater the other night, half asleep. (laughs) Totally forgot. So I'm curious. I did check out some of your IGTV and there's a lot of the making of soup going on. So. Oh my God, Vanessa. Thank you. Yeah. Some really good looking recipes too, might I say, but I'm just curious how that got started. Okay. So I do consider myself a soup queen. I am the soup queen. I like to say, I really, you know, gave myself a title with that one. Um, About Five years ago, when I I used to have a day job, I worked as an assistant at a venture capital firm. And when I lost my job, I had never really been unemployed before. And, you know, people say you should cook to save money, especially in New York City. And I never cooked in my apartments. I had small apartments. You know, me cooking was like a a Caesar salad or like eggs. You know, it was like the basics. And I love soup. I love soup my whole life. I eat it. I eat things really, really hot. I burn the shit out of my mouth. I love soup so much. I would have it for lunch every day, even if it's 100 degrees. I don't mind. I'm still in the mood for it. And... It's funny because I started, I was like, I'm going to make soup. It's the only food I like leftover. I don't like leftovers, really. I'm really, I'm picky, Mm. you know? I could eat maybe like a cold Chinese food in the morning, but like after that, I'm done. Some people like leftovers for, they're like, if I make chicken, I'll eat it for three days. No way. But soup, I don't mind. For some reason, I feel like you heat it up and it feels fresh. So I taught myself how to make soups then. I loved it. And I, and chili and like, that was the only thing I would ever cook like ever. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, we were stuck at home and I was like, well, I know how to make soups. Now I'm a five-star chef. It's ridiculous. Uh, but I knew how to make Sting up is calling you. He's calling me for back of house now. He's like, girl, we saw the IGTV. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I started making soups in the <laughs> pandemic and I wanted to make content. And I was like, I'm going to start filming these. And I had done some before, like, so on my IG, uh, what's it called? The highlights, like, 
in the past two years or so, there are other soups that I've made. And then I was like, what if I just edit these dumb, like front facing videos of me cooking soup and I pair it with a, you know, a type of music and songs and I just make them really silly. Um, but I've had some like people make the soups, which is so nice and they're good. I eat that. I don't make anything I won't eat. So they're good. I want to put out yeah. a book. That's the goal. I want to put out like a soup cookbook. Oh, I would buy that book. I love soup. I'm with you. Soup leftover is delicious. I had, I will like you eat it, whether it's 105 degrees or 50. Mm-hmm. I actually had it yesterday for lunch. I don't, it doesn't bother me. And you can freeze what is it. your favorite? You can freeze it. You can freeze it. I'm actually ma- I'm making my own broth right now. So every week I, I will do the leftover chicken. I know every week I get a rotisserie chicken. I get all the chicken off of it. I leave, put it in the fridge. My boyfriend loves to have chicken in the house. He's like, that's his snack. I do too. I, I pick up that whole foods chicken every so often. And I'm just like, I have it for like a day or two. I eat it all the time. Yeah. Great. Um, so, I, you know, I pick all the chicken off and then I have, you know, the, the carcass. And so I put that in a bowl, put some water over top of it, let it simmer for like a few hours. And like, voila, you've got broth for the next week. So if you want to make chicken soup and then I'll make rice with the broth and then I'll make rice and with um, because chicken and rice soup with the broth. So it's like, you know, that's nice. I'm, I'm kind of a soup person, but not to the level of you. That's like a very <laughs> that's a serious Commitment to be filming that. It's an aspiration. I love it. I was doing one a week. I have one that I haven't put out yet that's not edited, but it was done like six months ago. I think I like got tired for a little while. After 10, I was like, that's a good number to stop at for a little while. But I've made soups that aren't on film since then, I should say. Well, that's good. I feel like soup is a hard food to pair with wine. That's not one that I'm often thinking about wine. Interesting. for. I don't know. It's like a, it's like the liquid, liquid thing. Well, what else would you have with it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, water? I don't know. Like, I don't, I feel like when you're eating soup because there's already liquid there, it's kind of like taking the place of another beverage that might refresh your palate. I don't know. Vanessa, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, are you a wine and soup person? I, that I, Yeah, I, I think it can totally work. Like, I'm thinking about this Riesling that we have. Like, I think that would be delicious with like a butternut squash soup. Mm. Um, or oh, that's true. Now, I have a question. Does chili count? This has been an ongoing uh, pool that I've had on my social media. Yeah, I believe chili is a soup. Uh, A lot of people are against that. A lot of people don't. I think this would be awesome with chili, too. Mm -hmm. Like something with a little, you know, a little bit of heat to it. A little bit of spicy. Mm -hmm. Especially like a turkey chili. mm, Yeah. Like a Mexican chicken noodle or something. I do something like that. Mm. Yeah. And this, I love this Riesling. This Riesling, I was introduced to this years ago and I haven't had it in a long time, but it's got some age on it. It's 2014 and it's drinking super, super fresh and bright and has all the things that we want in terms of Riesling, but it's got lots of texture. And I don't know, is there, do you think there's a little RS on this? Yeah, I think there's a touch. I think, you know, um, I'm glad you asked that actually, because I think it's important, you know, when we're talking about Riesling, like it's such a range of bone dry to very, very sweet. This, I think, definitely has has some residual sugar, but I'm putting it on the drier side of the scale. Yeah, I think that's, you know, potentially what's maybe giving it a little bit of that, like, viscosity, a little bit of that weight. Mm -hmm. And it's highlighting some of those, peachy, lychee, Riesling things that we really like. And it's the same with champagne, right? Like if you have a bone dry champagne, zero dosage, no sugar added, a lot of times you miss out on some of those great flavors. I think we forget that sugar is a highlighter of flavor. It doesn't have to be something that makes it sweet. Just it's, you know, sort of treating like a spice, like salt, just kind of like brings it out. Yeah, or just brings out like overall balance, like balances out the acidity in something like champagne or Riesling. So you're exactly right. Yeah. Vanessa, I'm so glad you said residual sugar. When she said RS, I was like, ooh, that's a term. I don't know. Sorry. I go, I don't know what term. she's talking about. And Vanessa's is like, you mean residual sugar? Like you said it. And I was like, RS, get it. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. Ask, all the, ask all the questions you want. I think that is a, a thing that we do in the wine world too much. Like we abbreviate. We don't use the same language as consumers. Like we're just, none of us are on the same page as the rest of the world. So yes, please stop I me. abbreviate like words in my normal life. So it's fine. I, you know, I'll say sentences that like only Jared will understand. You yeah. know what I mean? But you say like cool kid things. Like you say like you use words on like TikTok lingo that I don't know about. Because <laughs> I'm just so young and hip. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you are. You're the reason I'm on TikTok. I said you should be on TikTok because I saw your content. You did. And I was like, all I watch are food TikToks. And there are, t- there's a huge wine world. I um TikTok, I'm sure. I, it's not in my algorithm yet, but if I follow you, it will be. It's not that big actually. And I, 
you know, no shade to who's out there on in the wine world on TikTok. Look, Vanessa's like picking up her phone, ready to get on there. Um, there's, you know, there are some people on TikTok and and doing a great job, but there is this one guy out there, and I will not call him out, but like he has a lot of followers on TikTok and focuses on wine, and he spells things wrong mm. all the time. Like his information isn't right, and I'm like, all right, I appreciate the lane that the the lane that you're paving for us here, but like we can do better. Mm-hmm. Like I need to jump in here and just like do something that's a little, you know, a little bit more accurate. So yeah, so I'm two in. I've got two in drafts right now. And I'm serious. Like when you were like, this is like a lane that you should be in. I was like, all right. Do the trends too. Do the trends, but relate them to the wine world. Do you know what I mean? Like it's exactly, it's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Because even though, you know, you might not want to do them, like they help get traction no matter what. Yeah. And they're fun. They, you know, they kind of like make me think outside the box. I'm not good on TikTok. Like I should You're be. the only person I know that's on TikTok. So <laughs> Besides me. So you're the master as far as I'm concerned. You know why I love it? Because it, when I go I go to my For You, you know, that's what I watch in terms of t- I can watch it for hours because it's like it's stuff I didn't know I wanted to see. And it's just random shit. Whereas I go on yeah. Instagram and I start to feel bad about myself, you know, that everyone's more successful <laughs> than me and I'm not doing enough. It's so, and- that's so true. That is so true. And then on TikTok, I'm like, oh my God, look at this dad, like hold, you know, their kid upside down and their dog like licks their face like Spider-Man. And I'm like, ah, what a fun day. Like random shit, you know, (laughs) but it passes the time as if you're on another app. No, it is. I think you're right. I hadn't thought about it in that way. But in the morning when I'm scrolling through Instagram, I've now found myself getting off of Instagram and going to TikTok because the content is more fun. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you're right. It doesn't make me feel bad about myself. And I'm also like, I always, you know, as a content creator, maybe you can relate to this. I love seeing what other people are doing that's creative. Mm -hmm. It's so much fun for me. And then like, you know, finding ways that I can iterate on that and like finding ways to borrow and change. And I don't know, TikTok to me is like, it's such a, it was a platform that I was like, I'm not going to dance on camera. And then I saw it and I was like, oh no, it's just like really fun, short form content that you get to have fun with in the app because all of the all of the effects, all the transitions, everything is in app and it's creator focused. Yeah. So for me, that was like, that was the thing that I was like, oh, I get it. Like, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. Did you see me sitting here with like a very blank stare? <laughs> She's like, what, come again? <laughs> I know that blank stare, Vanessa. And I know that was your blank stare, like pre-Instagram. And like, we're going to get you there. Like, you're going to be great on. It's like, I'll you're just gonna, drink some wine while they're chatting. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the ship. I'll just drink. That's fine. Talk your TikToks. In addition to learning about Chardonnay via your mom, um, I'm sure being in restaurants probably thought, taught you a thing or two, as you alluded to working, I think it was at, was it at a BLT that you, that you worked with the Somme? Yeah. For all of the places had sommeliers, but yeah, I worked with all of them. <laughs> Were you intimidated at all? Intimidated by who? Yeah. Oh, really? My friend from BU came, became a Somme which was cool because I got her the job at the restaurant and she was like, I think she was serving to start out and then she got really interested in wine and she was a really good singer too. She was like in music, mostly uh, less theater and more like, you know, wanted to sing. And now she's a sommelier. I think she lives in Colorado and works at a really cool place there, but there's a thriving wine community in Colorado. I believe that that's cool. Yeah. But did, did you serve, did you, did you serve wine at, any of the BLTs? Like, were you ever... When I started, I was like... So I started as like a hostess and then they had me maitre d'. I was very young. So it was like maitre d'ing lunches. I didn't get to do like big dinners, big covers. And then I started... I learned to bartend. So I became a bartender and server okay. for a few years. I hated doing both. I was not good at both. I would like... I would cheat, especially with wine. I had to sell wine. I was like, have you heard of Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc? Oh my God. It is so delicious. And in my head, I'm thinking that's the twist off. You know, I don't want to fucking open this bottle at the table. I'm going (laughs) to... I don't want to do that. I don't want to, because I, I knew how they wanted it done. And I was like, it's a whole presentation, you know, and it's, it's a lot yeah. of my, and I, I'm going to mess it up. So I would always, I would always talk up the, the, the twist off the wines. oyster base. So I, I feel like I did the same thing at my first restaurant job. I was terrified. I'd always make somebody like open at the bar. So I didn't do a table side or like, like you, I was like, all right, what are the twist offs that I can get you like? Very quickly. And it was always the Pinot Grigio or the Sauvignon Blanc, right? <laughs> always. I didn't want to open wine at the table. It scared me. I'm in the, I should say, a BLT steak when I worked there, if I had a table that ordered wine, usually the Somme would go to the table and do the wine 
so I didn't have to do it. But at BLT Fish, I had to do it in the downstairs level. It was a little more casual. So like I had to do it there. So I quickly learned like, Anna, you better talk up these twist off ones. You know what I mean? You better learn those. I feel like it can be such a romantic part of the evening though. Like it's sort of like theater. It is. It can also be really awkward. And I feel like it can be awkward for the, for the server and for the people at the table. Cause they're like, should we keep talking and pretend like this isn't happening? Or do we just stop all of our conversation and stare at them while they're doing this? It's, It's like, what do you do? That's such a, that's so right. I still think even as a guest at restaurants when I order and they come over and do the thing, it's like, especially if, because I know I've worked on that side. Like if I'm with a friend who keeps talking and I'm kind of like, no, let's, let's give them their moment. Like, let's pay attention to this. And they're like, (laughs) right. And then they pour it. Please don't look at me right now. I bet you get it. Yeah. And then, you know, you pour it and they're like, am I supposed to, should I taste it? You know, and you're like, please, you know, taste it. And they're like, "Mm, okay. The only person I've ever seen taste it and be like, I actually don't like it is my mom. (laughs) Because it wasn't Chardonnay. No, she doesn't drink Chardonnay anymore. That's the best twist of the story. Oh. After my dad got sober. So what is she on? What train is she on? Pinot Grigio, Pinot Gris. After, yeah, Rosé. After my dad stopped drinking, there were a couple of years there where she didn't really drink much. And now she's back. But she doesn't want to go back to her old ways of Chardonnay. So it's Pinot Grigio. Anyway, that was a sidetrack. Yeah. No, that's that's great. I'm so with you on, on the not paying attention, knowing, not knowing the etiquette when someone brings wine to a table. It's so awkward always. I'd say like more, more often than not, it is an uncomfortable situation for all parties. And one that I wonder why we we've kept, because even when I worked at press, we didn't open it table side. We opened it at a station. And I think a lot of, Mm. a lot of restaurants have moved to that because I think that is, it is uncomfortable, like to do the whole thing, you know, in the air, like hope fingers crossed hope the cork doesn't break like it's a whole thing like it's I don't you know it's not hibachi like I don't want to see my food prepared in front of me like take the wine do what needs to be done bring it back when it's ready and then yeah serve it accordingly I think for some people and of course I think we're talking about a certain echelon of wines they want to know that you're actually pouring them what they ordered Mm -hmm. and the only way they know that for sure is if you open them open it in front of Mm -hmm. them Like, I'm sure that this rarely happens, but like, I think for some people, they're like, no, I want to know that that's the bottle, same bottle, same wine. No, they, they don't trust you. I think you're, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on like the weekend, you know, it's usually like people who come in from, they don't live in the city and they come in and they're like, this is our special night out. And they're like, they're weary of like uh, city people and like these pretentious people who work here and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I don't know. They have all these like. I feel like you just described Bridge and Tunnel to a T. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget a BLT like, fish one night. Tell me your Bridge and Tunnel without telling me your Bridge and Tunnel. <laughs> there was a party of four. I'll never forget this night at BLT fish. And I think someone in the in the party tripped the psalm. Okay. I'm not even kidding. Like what? He was pouring them a bottle of red wine. I'm pretty sure like, and he tripped somehow. Okay. And like, that's, I've never seen that happen ever. And they were clearly like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be rude, but they were clearly like Jersey or like, you know, I don't know. They were, they were not from New York. I know that. And they, then they, it spilled on the woman's shirt. Okay. The red wine spilled on the woman's shirt. And we had a protocol. If that ever happened, if someone spilled, you know, if a server accidentally like spilled or back weight or whatever spilled something like they would pay for the dry cleaning, you know, we, we'd send them a bill or if they had to replace the shirt, they would replace the, you know, whatever they needed to do. And, um, and so they said that to them, they were like, I'm so sorry, you know, and she was sitting there as if she got murdered, as if a knife stabbed her in the freaking stomach. <laughs> like it was not that much. It was like on her shoulder, red wine, which sucks, but whatever. She was sitting there shivering, wearing her, her husband's like blazer being like, <gasps> it's so awful. This wine everywhere. This place is a dump. <laughs> and so this party for it, they ate their dinner. And then they said, we refused to pay our bill because you <gasps> fucked up her shirt. And no, they said, listen, we know we made a mistake. We are so sorry. I'm sure they sent them tons of stuff too, you know, like food yeah. and champagne and whatever. And, uh, this part, they, ref- they were like, well, we don't, we don't care. This shirt is worth more than our meal. They said, meanwhile, I'm looking at these people. I'm like, this bitch got it from Zara. Okay. I know, I know fashion. <laughs> and so they, 
still said at the end of the night, they said, listen, here's, here's our information. We will pay for this shirt. We will buy you a new shirt. However much this shirt costs, we will reimburse you whatever you need. And, but you have to pay your dinner bill. That's, that's, yeah. you know, we, we're also doing, we're a business and they refused. And then the cops came because the manager had to call the fucking police. Oh <gasps> no. Four cops came too to this fine dining place. I'm like, that's aggressive. people are getting murdered in New York city right now. People are literally getting like, like shot. And you have right. four cops in this fucking nice restaurant because these assholes won't pay their bill. I couldn't, I couldn't believe this. And I was like, they must've tripped him. And like, wow. the song was like, I swear to God, I don't trip. I don't spill wine on people. He was like, I've been doing this for 20 years. Like, this is not a joke. It was so crazy. Wow. <laughs> was what Saturday was that? Uh, <laughs> Heartbreakers with Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Remember that movie? I do. Used to, yeah. I always think about that. All the crazy things that they did to get free meals. It's crazy. Man, that's terrible. And that, I mean, did they have to pay their bill? I think they paid the bill. Yeah. I think they made the bill. I think they were like, well, this is the rule here. This is the protocol. So... They'll take care of your shirt. She was like, my shirt. I'm like, it's an ugly shirt. It's not a nice shirt. I can see. I'm sorry. I, I was judging, but I was like, this woman is really too much. <laughs> when wow. you're that over the top, you deserve to be judged. But mm-hmm. I mean, good for the, re- I mean, here's the thing. Like as a restaurant, there are certain losses that you just know you're going to take. Yeah. Right. And like, I think most guests that are after something know that and they don't expect that bluff to be called, i.e. the cops. So I get, I get why, you know, some people would go down that route and just be like, well, what are you going to do? Call the cops. And then they're like, yeah, we will. If you're not going to pay us. So bad. That is bad. So I'm just curious, you mentioned right towards the beginning of our discussion that you have a very heightened sense of taste and smell. I do. So Mm -hmm. Is that like, when did you realize that you had that and how does that serve you? My parents noticed it because I would walk into rooms and be like, something's burning, something's bad, something like I can walk into an apartment building and smell what they're cooking on every floor. I don't know where it came from, but as I was growing up, it was like, I have two siblings and my parents were always like, Anna can smell and taste anything. Like, and I can. It's very strange. Uh, I don't know when it started. I mean, I guess it, I always had it, but it it was weird, which is why it was very weird to lose my taste and smell for nine days. I was like, oh my God, like I can't handle it. I can't. And I feel so sad for people who lost it like forever. But yeah, it. I don't know. And I'll notice like, even like I can tell a TV is on upstairs. Like I can feel that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a superhero, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, in the in the most humble of ways. I, I am a I'm actually an X-Men. Um I don't know. I don't know where it came from. You know, you know, I'm gonna take this clip and put it on Instagram against the the line from Karen and Mean Girls, and she's like, I can tell when it's raining. Yeah. I can tell I can tell when you're burning toast and you live three floors above me. Um, I don't know where it came from. I was born that way, I'm gonna say. But it it has served me well and it's like too much like you know some a lot of ubers suck because you know yeah smell i bet bet. (laughs) does it does it translate to wine do you feel like you can pick out things in wine that like i think so i've done like blind taste tests i've been very good at it like when i was bartending they took me we had like a i don't know field trip day for the bartenders to the absolute headquarters in new york which was so cool and we got to do all these vodka tastings and i always thought like vodka like it doesn't it kind of all taste like it's not <sighs> supposed to taste like anything. Right. But it, yeah. it did. There were different, you know, they would like, of course, like every, every nice one was absolute, which I'm thinking I was set up, but you know what I mean? Mm. It was like, <laughs> we were there. So, but we also did whiskeys there. I think they, there's another company that they have or whatever. We did whisk. I think we did Maker's Mark there too. There was some other thing, but yeah. Cause they own many things. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, maybe maybe round two of the podcast is Anna doing a blind tasting, or maybe we'll go live on Instagram and have you do a, oh, a blind love. tasting with us. I would love yes. to do that. Yeah. yeah and these weird. are very aromatic. These are aromatic wines. They're very different. Yeah. Very different. I gotta say, after going from the Riesling back to the Champagne, I like the Champagne more now. Like I <gasps> at first, wow. I think I smelled the Chardonnay, but they're very different. That I'm like, oh, this is good too. Yeah. It's pretty, like, it's pretty brioche like, in a good way. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes champagnes are, like, really toasty brioche, and you're like, ooh, like, I should just have toast. But this one's <laughs> nice, and there's, like, a nice amount with, like, 
lemon curd and a little like floral thing going on. It's very, mm. it's very alluring. It makes, I don't know what I'm having for dinner, but I need to have something that can go with both, which should be relatively easy. Me too. Soup. It's good. We determined this. It's soup. <laughs> yeah, I have broth going. Um, so I know you have stories uh, and one in particular that I have been, you text me that this happened regarding a green day and the champagne situation. And we didn't go further. We decided we were going to save it for the podcast. So you've, you've got you to tell the story now. Okay. I love telling the story. This is why we're drinking champagne. You were like, do you have any stories with wine or whatever? And I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the beginning of the story, but uh, you know, cut me off. Um, so I was bartending at BLT Steak in Los Angeles. Um, I moved to LA. I, I worked there and I also worked at Craft in Century City for Tom Colicchio, which was, it was great. Um, he was the best, honestly, of all the restaurateurs. It was the best to work for him. Ooh. I love him. I want to meet him. Yeah. And he runs such a tight ship. Like it was Everybody was so professional and I just always felt like like there was nothing messy in that kitchen. You know what I mean? There was nothing mm. behind the scenes. I mean, like he really runs a good restaurant. Um, I enjoyed it. But anyway, I was at BLT Steak, um, which was on the Sunset Strip. And it was a very small private dining room. I was like, I was maitre d'ing. And then sometimes I bartended because, you know, they'd kind of float me around. And so one night, it was the night of the Grammys. And uh, Green Day was having their after Grammys party in the private dining room. And they asked if I would bartend for it. And I was like, sure. What am I going to say? No, that sounds so cool. And uh, I, I didn't know Green Day very well. Like, I don't know if you're fans of Green Day. I knew like the song. You're time. like a Broadway baby. You know, American Idiot. Well, yes. So that was the year after American Idiot was on Broadway. So I had never mm. seen it. But uh, so the private dining room, I think it sat like 20 people. It wasn't very big. And so they came after the Grammys. The Grammys were filmed early because it was in Los Angeles. So they like have to air, you know, like later or whatever. So it was like 5 p.m. or something because it's 8 o'clock on the East Coast. And um, they come in and they won. And they told me ahead of time, if they win, they have like nine bottles of crystal that need to be opened and ready when they arrive. And I was panicked. I was like, I hate, you know, I hate already opening wine at a fucking table. <laughs> Crystal's like the most expensive champagne on the menu. Like, I, you know, I knew it from like the music videos, like you, Crystal right. is like top shelf shit or whatever. And I was so nervous and I was like, I'm going to mess this up. Like, am I going to have to pay for this Crystal that I like, you know, splatter all over the room? Like I was so paranoid. Um, they win. So I had to do the Crystal. I had a friend help me. I was okay. I did it. I opened them. Everything was good. They came in. It was great. It was the most random group of people. It was like Green Day and their girlfriends or wives. And then it was like the American Idiot Broadway cast who was like starstruck they were at the Grammys because they were like, we're theater kids. Naturally. But like, this is so fucking cool. And then Venus and Serena Williams showed up. <gasps> I know. They, <laughs> wow. they didn't drink Crystal. They only drank Fiji water. God bless them. The athletes, true. Athletes. <laughs> they were like, oh, we only drink bottled water. I was like, got it. Got it. That's why you are who you are. Um, yeah, they didn't drink alcohol. <laughs> but the best is, so, you know, the night's going well. I'm serving them all drinks. You know, they're drinking cocktails or whatever. And the crystal went well. I was just so worried about that. They wanted it as like, like toast. You know what I mean? When they got there, that mm -hmm. was like their champagne toast. And of course, and then halfway through this party, and let me just remind you what I looked like. Um, I The BLT steak uniform was horrible to women. Uh, if you were behind the bar, you could wear all black. If you're working a private event, you had to wear the server uniform, which was we called the five shades of brown. It was like a light brown button-down men's shirt with like a tie oh. that was like brown stripes and a big dark black apron and like brown slacks and like... You, I looked like a little grandpa. You know what oh, I mean? I look awful. Yeah. And I care about how I look. So, I, you know, I just look and your hair has to be up, whatever. And so I'm working this party and halfway through this girl comes up to me. She's in a fucking silver, like bedazzled gown. And she, she was at the Grammys and she comes up to me and she's like, where's the bathroom? And I like tell her where the bathroom is. And she, we like looked at each other and I was like, I know this girl. Like, how do we know each other? Why would I know this person? And she's like, Anna? And I'm like, it clicks. I'm like, Kara? And we worked at this bar, the first bar I ever learned to bartend at in New York City. No. Yeah, called Three Steps. It was like on the east side, like near Gramercy Park. 
it was like a dive bar that didn't have food or anything. And we worked there together. And I was like, Kara, oh my God. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm seeing you here. And she's like, come meet my boyfriend. Oh my God, come here. Her boyfriend was Trey Cool, the drummer from Green Day, who I had been serving alcohol to all night. (laughs) Wow. And at this moment, I am going from like the help to the guest, you know? So I like pull my hair down, you know, I like, like (laughs) fix myself. I'm like, I'm like, should I take my apron off like halfway? You know, I should like look a little better. And I come over and she's like, Trey, this is my friend Anna from New York. Like, oh, it's so funny. We're all in California. And I meet him and he just looks at me. I swear to God, he like, I don't think he had glasses on, but he like looks at me and he was like, hey, he's like, do you want to come be another girl at our after party? And he says it. And I was like, <laughs> like, that's how he said it. Just like casually. I was like, do you want to come be another girl at our after party? What is he might have even said hot girl. And I was like, oh, my God, he can see through my uniform that I have a body like because I look like a crazy person. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I stand there and my brain was like, you don't party. But I was like, say yes. This is green. This is a Grammys after party. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. So I was like, yes, sure. And uh, he's like, great. Uh, when you get to the Sunset Marquee Hotel, you say San Pellegrino at the door. That's the name. And I was like okay, now I'm being punked, right? Like, this is a fucking joke. This, is, <laughs> this is like mean, like a mean girl. Scene. This is like where they're like, yeah, come to the hotel. We'll all be there. And like, I show up and it's like a dumpster. Like I was like, Sam Pellegrino. He's like, yeah, just say that at the door. I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, what? They're like, when do you finish? And I'm like, well, that's when you finish. I finish. That's how, <laughs> that's how this world how works. This works. works. <laughs> right. And so whatever, the night goes on. They finish. I'm like, I can't go alone to this. You know, I'm paranoid. I'm like, I can't show up to this party alone, especially if I'm being punked and like, it's actually not a party. So, cause I was still worried. Like this girl, Kara, I remember she dated one day at this dive bar, the entire DC nationals team, the baseball team came into the bar because she was dating the pitcher. So I was like, that's a natural step wow. to go to rock star. Um, <laughs> So my friend Daniel, he was like my gay best friend at the restaurant. He he's an actor. And I was like, we have to I need someone to go with me. Will you go with me? He's like, yes, let's go. Anyway, uh, we go to this hotel. Um, Mind you, I'm wearing like I I went home and changed and I put on like what you would think to wear to a rock star party. I was in like a spiked denim vest and like pleather pants and like a crop top. And I like like I look like Steven Tyler. You know what I mean? I'm like ready to rock. I was like, this is what you wear. And we show up (laughs) and there's like a bouncer at at the hotel and it's like all like roped off and everything because it was like their own event. And I was like, I'm here for Sam Pellegrino. (laughs) And they were like, Okay, this is a private event. Sorry, you're not allowed in. I was like, no, no, no. I I know it's Green Day. He told me to say Sam Pellegrino. Like, I'm in on the joke, like, whatever. And they were like, yeah, no, you're not. Like, they literally were like, who is this chick trying to dress like a rock star? Like, do not let her in. I, I thought I looked great. And um, and all these celebrities were there. Like, we saw Leah Michelle like, come out of the hotel, and she was, like, drunk and, like, calling for her driver. And, like, it was so... I was like, all right, that's enough for me. I'm good. I could go home. <laughs> Whatever. If I don't get so you in. never, you never went? No. So we like are about to leave. And then this girl, Kara, I had texted her. She gave me her number. I was like, we're outside. They won't let us in. And finally <laughs> she came out and she's like, they're with us. And the bouncer apologized. And he was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, yeah, don't I look like I deserve to be here? Like I'm I'm not the bartender. I'm a cool girl. And I walk into this party. It's like last call too. It's like 1 a.m. Because we had worked, closed down the restaurant, gone to the fucking home, changed, gone to the hotel. It's like one o'clock in the morning. So we get like three drinks because it's an open bar and we like crowd around a like high top table with our drinks. And we're like, we're we're fine. We're totally, we're good. Oh my god. I know. God. And we it was very it was a very intimate group. It was like the American idiot people and then like Green Day and their families and everyone's very drunk and we had clearly shown up late and then she comes over. She's like, "Are you having fun?" We're like, "It's the time of our lives." <laughs> one drink, you know, like we're like one drink in. We're like, "It's this is amazing. The best 20 minutes ever." And she's like, "Do you want to come to the after after party? It's in Trey's room." And we're <gasps> like, "Sure." Okay. And we like go to this room, this hotel room. And it's like me, my friend Daniel and the American idiot kids. And they start rolling joints and like passing them around. I like don't smoke that much pot. I was like, I was going to go to yoga tomorrow. My brain's like, 
do whatever drugs Green Day gives you. You're cool now. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this is how it happens. So fucking weird. And then we like smoke pot with all of them. We're like sitting there in the hotel room. I was like, I got to get out of here. Daniel and I are like trying to take photos. We're like, no one's ever going to believe us that we had this night. But like <laughs> we had this night. So we're like trying to like take a selfie. And I was like, we can't be the last ones here. So we like leave. And I just remember going to the front and the bouncer's like, I'm sorry about before. And I was like, mm, whatever. And he's like, what's your name? Like on his list of like cars. And I was like, we had parked at like an expired meter, <laughs> like up on sunset. We're like, oh no, our driver's around the corner. Like, we're just going to walk to go find him. It was a wild night, but I went from like, you know, the help to like a rock star within like 20 minutes. It was very cool. And to think it all started with nine bottles of crystal. I know. I mean. <gasps> Imagine if I fucked up the crystal. That night wouldn't have happened, you know? If I had, right. if they were like, your bartender right. doesn't know how to open it. Like, anyway, I'm good at opening bubbly now. Love it. We're very lucky to be able to drink the way that we do. I've always wanted to come and have a sideways trip. You know what I mean? Like. I saw that as a kid. Come and hang out and we'll drink. You know, we're probably not going to drink as much. Well, that's not true. I was going to say we're not going to drink as much Riesling and champagne in, in Napa. But you'd be surprised how much Riesling and champagne is consumed in Napa. The winemakers here love Riesling and champagne. Oh, yeah. In particular, Dan Petrovsky, who does like a whole party dedicated to champagne where you're only allowed to bring champagne. And it's kind of like a, you know. That's fun. No, it's fine. You should come for that because that's a good day. That's when everybody comes out and parties pretty hard. Cool. Love it. So what are you going to do with these wines? Are you, You're going to drink them, right? And you've got hopefully someone to drink them with. Yeah, Jared and I are going to drink them. I mean, we'll probably drink the champagne tonight, right? Yes, Jared is my boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, drink the champagne because that's the one that goes bad the fastest. And then, um, yeah, the reason will be good in the fridge for like a week. I don't know what we're going to make, but or he's going to make because I have to work all night. <laughs> veggies will be delicious with either of these wines. Did you have a favorite? You had mentioned you were kind of going back to the champagne, but we we measure our glasses to see which one is lower. My Riesling's lower. Oh, your Riesling's lower. I thought you went back to the champagne later though, right? I did. And I liked it. I think, you know, I was also eating Cheez-Its right before we started, which probably isn't the best pairing. <laughs> no, that's a delicious wine pairing, actually. Cheez-Its. I know several people. Yes. I know several people that love Cheez-Its as a wine pairing. Wow. Okay. Well, that's my like go-to, you know, snack. So I was eating Cheez-Its and yeah, this one was like, I don't know. I didn't love it as much at first, but then when I drank the Riesling and I went back to the champagne, I was like, oh, it is better than I thought. Like, so I thought maybe it was the Cheez-Its at first. You know what I mean? Well, tell people where they can find you because you're going to work. So I'm sure you're going to like one of your many, many gigs. Yes. Well, you can find me anywhere on social media at Anna Roisman, A-N-N-A-R-O-I-S-M-A-N. I'd say uh, find me on TikTok for very silly things. You know, Instagram is where I make soups and Twitter is where I spill my mind. Um, <laughs> that's about it. I also host a bunch of shows. And you've got a podcast. Oh, thank you. I have a podcast, Unemployed with Anna Roisman. Um, it's a spinoff of my live show that I did 50 episodes of on Facebook called The Unemployed Show. Go listen to Amanda's episode episode. It was so much fun. We had a great time talking about all the jobs we've had. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not just for unemployed people, employed people enjoy it too, I swear. And, um, and you can find me, I don't know, on airtime, which is this cool app. And I host live shows for them like three times a week or so. And, uh, I always post about it on my Instagram. So check me out there. Yeah. You're very funny. You're very funny to follow on all the social media platforms. Thank you. I highly recommend a follow and checking you out wherever you are you know, doing your hosting thing, but I see collabs in the future. I think there I is too. like, and I have, I have to say after here. our podcast episode, I ordered my own first order from wine access and Yay. so good. So amazing. Yeah. I got a huge shipment. I got like eight bottles. I don't know what the hell I got. And, uh, it's great. Did you order it at 2am when you were in bed? falling asleep. No, I, I made sure I was awake. I studied the list. I was like, what am I going to get? What do I want? Yeah, no. I'm, oh my God. If I started ordering alcohol at 2am, we've got a problem. Like that's, that, that's when you know, stop. <laughs> I never did it until the pandemic. It's a pandemic hobby. For those of you listening, if you're ordering wine from Wine Access at two o'clock in the morning, it's totally fine. They're open 24 hours a day, yeah. seven days a week. So e-commerce. Always open. Yeah. It's great. And it's an amazing site. I loved all the little, like, the sheets that came with each wine. So I know what I'm yeah. drinking, what pair as well. It was really nice. I like that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. They do a great job with that stuff. All right, Anna. 
I, I'm going to say goodbye, but I know it's not going to be for long because I'll see you soon on the gram and on TikTok and wherever else, you know. Yes. We and when we connect, pitch our TV so. show, we got to talk about that. I know we didn't talk about it on the pod, yes. but we can talk about it at some point. I know. Well, that's for part two when we actually have pitched the TV show. So if you have uh, suggestions out there for what our TV show should be, you know, throw them in the comments, send us a DM on Instagram, do all the things. And uh, thanks for being on the show. And it was good to see Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are great. This was so fun. Vanessa, I have never been more excited to have no red wine in my life. I don't know about you. Oh, no, it was, uh, okay, literally so refreshing, but also just refreshing (laughs) (laughs) to have a change of pace. And um, it is hot here in Napa. It's hot in New York where Anna is. So it was also weather appropriate. But we talked so much about food today. And these are both so food friendly Mm -hmm. that I thought um, it was appropriate on so many levels. I agree. It's hot. These are refreshing. They are very food friendly. And I love that she loved both of them kind of equally. And I love that she initially was like, I don't know how I feel about the champagne and then circle back. And she was like, oh, I actually really like it. So it totally what I expected from her. Like I said, very, very easy to talk to. Very funny and has a really nice, fresh perspective. And these wines totally did not disappoint. I loved both of them equally. In fact, I'm I'm sort of thinking about like what I'm going to do because there's only two of us here having dinner tonight and I've got these two bottles open and you know, I'm sort of a lightweight. So I think I might have to go the Anna route and drink champagne tonight and drink the Riesling throughout the course of the week. But you know, it's still early here in Napa. Who knows? Maybe I could work the rest of the day with a little, a little sidecar of Riesling. Invite some friends over. Yeah. Or not. Or (laughs) just save them (laughs) for yourself. I see. I see the plan. It's okay. I do the same what? thing. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we mentioned these were part of the original Wine Access Michelin Guide subscription, but where could people find wines like these and get themselves signed up for the next quarter of the Michelin Guide subscription? Super easy. Go to wineaccess.com. Um, I think the Michelin subscription is right on the homepage, but if not, there's a, a tab called subscriptions. You can read about this as well as the other um, clubs that we have in addition to the subscription. Um, And if you want to follow us, you know, at Wine Access on Instagram, Wine Access Experience on Facebook. And I know that if people want to follow the podcast, there are opportunities for that too. There are. We post lots of things on there. We are at Wine Access Unfiltered on Instagram, at Wine Access Pod on Twitter. We post some of the video content. Maybe we'll post some funny gifts based on this podcast. Who knows? We'll have lots of fun with it. But as always, thank you all so much for listening. If you like what you are listening to, please go ahead and give us a subscribe and a review. We love hearing your comments and your feedback. And if you've got feedback for us, send them in the DMs. I mean, go ahead and let us know what you're thinking. We always appreciate hearing what's working, what's not working, what you want more of, what you want less of. Uh, It's really helpful because we don't get to talk to you guys as much as I get to talk to Vanessa, right? Right, exactly. (laughs) I love talking to you, but yes, it would be good to hear from others. (laughs) I agree. Well, thank you as always, Vanessa, and uh, I'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you. Cheers.